I just got quiet. What's up? What's going on, church? Well, good morning. Man, oh man. It is great to be back here with all you guys today. Man, I missed you guys last week. I missed you guys last week. You know, man, nothing like being in the house worshiping with your church, your family. Come on. Man, I... Uh, even though I wasn't able to be with us last week, man, I just love the fact that I was able to worship with all of you online, or online stream, streaming that we have. I don't know if you know that we have one of those, you know, we, we do that. So if you are watching this morning, you're doing that this morning, good morning to you. Um, but I was loving the fact that we could be home and worship with our church. It is a huge praise to God for that. Hey, you know, speaking of worship, if you missed... Pastor Jacob's conversation last weekend on worship, I want you to take a note right now to go back and listen to it on our podcast, okay? Go back and listen to our podcast. I don't know if you know we had a podcast, but it's free to listen to, free to download, free to share. If you're going through your uh, small group stuff, going through what we're doing on a Sunday morning. But I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that message on worship. Uh, I believe it was titled Seven Steps in Creating a Pathway to Encounter God in Worship, and it was absolutely amazing. My family and I were blessed to learn from him and walk, as he walked us through that. So if you missed it, go back and listen to it because you will be blessed as well. You know, today is a, another Sunday. Yay, right? It's another Sunday for us to, to come and worship our awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you are new with us this morning, a welcome. We love the fact that you are here. We love the fact you came and hang on us this morning for about an hour. We hope that you enjoy your time with us. Welcome to the Vertical Church. Well, this morning we're stepping back into our series called Label Maker. It's a series that we started on Easter, and we are addressing this idea of labels in our life. And on Easter, God confronted through his word one of the greatest labels in our lives, and that is dead or alive. And I've shared in the beginning of this series, and I believe that you agree, and I think you still all agree, that we are a society that labels everything. We label everything around us. We label our moving boxes. We label our, our seasonal bins with clothes. We label everything down to the awkwardness of our clothes. We talked about that last week. We label buildings. When you came in this morning, there's this huge sign right next to the roads that says what? Vertical church, right? Hey, I came to the right church this morning. That's pretty amazing. We do that. Car manufacturers put those little things on the back of their cars to tell them who made their car. Toyota makes everything, I guess. You know, it's all around here. Um, I didn't say Toyota. I said Toyota. Sorry. Sorry. Anyways, we label everything. We're crazy labelers. I mean, that's who we are. And if, but the fact is that everyone in this room has been labeled too. See, it's really not a bad thing to label stuff, is it? It makes sense to label stuff. Could you imagine if you mixed cumin instead of cinnamon? I wouldn't want cumin and sugar on my toast, if you know what I'm saying. I, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to do anything. Could you imagine if you didn't label your contacts, your contacts in your phone to the right person? You didn't give him the right name, and you sent, uh, say I sent a text to Benson saying, accidentally saying, I love you, babe, and I thought I was sending it to my wife. I mean, that would just be awkward. All right, so we label stuff, and that's good, but it's, it is so different when we label people. When we label people, it is, it's a whole new ball game. And every single one of this room, like it or not, friends, we have been labeled by people. 
We've been labeled by others that are around us in life. We even put some labels on ourselves. Either they walked into our lives or they cast a label from a distance. We have been labeled. And those labels try to define us and tell us who we are, what we have done, or what we can do. And I don't like that. Do you like that? Are you with me? No? Yes? No? You like being labeled? All right. Just make sure you're with me on that. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, we have labeled others too. It's really easy to label people. It's really easy to label people from what we, simply from what we heard about them. It's easy to label people. Let me give you an example. Just this, right after Easter last week, I received a text from Annie with this picture on it. And look what it says here. It says, hey, LOL, what am I, look what I'm using this morning. It's digital though. So, you know, any upright person would look at this, any upright like person thinking through this, okay, man, Annie gets it. She, the message connected with her yesterday. It, she got it, she's applying it, she's thinking through it. That's not what I did. I looked at this fancy, digital, I'll make you a cup of coffee and fix your spelling label maker, right? I'm looking at this thing and going, mm-hmm. And look at my response to her. Ha-ha, cheater. <laughs> and then I threw in this, this little tag, the struggle is real. And then she responds to me, look at this. She goes, oh my goodness, you just labeled me a cheater. Sorry, Annie. I just looked at this and saw what you had and I didn't like it. Yes, my friends, it's that easy to label people. And we unfortunately do it all the time and people do it to us. You know, the most frustrating late moments in my life are when people place a label on me. I look back through my life and I think through this idea, and I can't identify a time where people didn't label me. Uh, growing up, more times than not, it was based on my faults or my weaknesses. People labeled me based on my weakness. No matter what I did after that, that label had a tendency to stick through my life. You know, and the reality is, we, one time or another, we have carried a label or two based on that idea. A label that tried to define us how the world sees or how people see us. And the most hurtful labels in our lives are those ones that are based on our weaknesses. We have, they have this way of locking us in to a certain group of people. Labels of weaknesses have this way of locking us in to a certain way of life. And labels based on our weaknesses have this way of locking us out of true opportunity. They have a way of locking us out, opportunity to grow, locking us out, opportunity to have better lives. And labels based on our weaknesses, most importantly, have this way of locking us out of opportunities to be who God created us to be. You know, too many times I've sat down and had conversations with people that I saw more in them than they saw in themselves. Why do you think that is? It's because some point, someone placed a label on them and they believed the lie of the label. They believed the lie of the label that was placed on them. They believed the label of their weakness. 
That's, they looked at the label and said, okay, that's who I'm meant to be. You know, if I'm being honest, there's many times I've looked in the mirror. And I've seen the same thing in myself. I thought, man, this is who you are based on this weakness. And that weakness is all I'll ever be. But the truth is we all have weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. Every single one of us in this room do. But those weaknesses do not define us. Those weaknesses don't tell us who we truly are. The only label maker that matters in our lives is God. And so I have to ask, if we were, there's a way that we could remove these labels of our weaknesses. If we could flip the script on them. And the labels are weaknesses that people have given to us or the ones we have placed on ourselves. And we start seeing how God sees us and the labels that he gives us so we know who we are in him. Wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want that? That's half of you. <laughs> Come on. But that's what we're going to walk through today. If we start digging into this label, label maker series, what I want us to do every time that we see the label weak in our lives, every time that we live the label weak in our lives, every time that we believe that label weak in our lives, man, I want us to rip it off. And I want us to tell it, you say, you don't have a hold on me. And I want us to proclaim the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus, we are not weak. In Jesus, we are strong. Amen, Amen church? Amen. Well, let's get into this. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're starting at verse 7. Your Bibles, your Bible apps. Hopefully you have something to read God's word with you this morning. If you don't, don't fret. It's on the screen. All right, 2 Corinthians was written by a follower of Jesus, a guy named Paul. Paul gave his life to him and spent the rest of his life uh, telling people about Jesus, how Jesus changes everything. He was, he was one man that God used in amazing ways for his glory. And Paul is revealing us to us this morning how we can move beyond the label of our weaknesses and live the life that we were created to live and no longer be held back by a label. So as we step in this morning, we're going to get into this morning. Paul just revealed this amazing experience that he had with Jesus that was beyond his explanation. And I want to encourage you later on today to go back and read the beginning of chapter 12 as Paul pulls this out because it's pretty awesome. God revealed some of the truths of the kingdom to him that he, that he Paul, could not share with the people around him. Could you imagine God revealing the, all some of this glory of the kingdom to you. And he says, by the way, you need to keep a secret. What? It's crazy. Paul, but Paul knew that he couldn't boast of his experience. Because he knew if he started boasting of his greatness of his experience, people would start looking at him differently around him. And that would uh, directly impact reaching them for Jesus Christ. So then we start slowing down. We start looking at verse 7 of chapter 12, and it says this, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, 
I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Let me just stop right there. How many of you have heard the phrase, thorn in my side? Show me. All right, thorn in my side. We pretty much everyone in this room. Well, this is where that phrase comes from. Friends, if you haven't read a stitch of the Bible, you knew some of the Bible just because it's influencing culture and life. Pretty important. But when Paul shares this, he wasn't thinking of a rose bush. Man, those thorns on those rose bushes hurt. Everybody got stung. Think, ah. You start bleeding. Man, it's not good. When Paul was sharing this thorn in the flesh, there's a good idea that he was sharing this idea of a puncture vine. A puncture vine. He had this in mind. Look at this picture of a puncture vine. That is nasty if you ask me. Look at this thing. It has several different needles of different lengths going different, different directions. And it has all these little small ones all over it that when it gets to your skin, it keeps attached to your skin. You can't shake this thing off. And those thorns are brutal. This is what Paul had in mind when he said, I have a thorn in my flesh. This is what they would have understood. It's a thorn you just can't shake. How many of us feel like that about our weaknesses? Man, I have this weakness, man. It's a thorn I can't shake. I can't get it out of my life. Some of the scholars think the thorn was a physical weakness for Paul. Others said that it was an emotional or psychological weakness. The truth is we don't know. And I think that's kind of done intentionally. Why? Because every single one of us has thorns in our flesh. We all have weaknesses in our lives that we struggle with. Some of us have physical weaknesses. Some of us have mental weaknesses. Some of us have spiritual weaknesses. Diabetes, cancer, learning disabilities, lust, addiction. You can consider lame, going on and on and on. And I am sure when it comes to our weaknesses that every single one of us would love for them to just disappear. We would love for them to be removed from our lives because we think our lives would be easier. I mean, look how Paul responds, excuse me, in verse eight. He says, three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. He asked God to remove this thorn. Three times he pleaded God to remove this hindrance in his life. Three times. He called out to God saying, please remove this from my life. How many times have you pleaded with God? Called out to God for your weakness. God, please remove this. How many times? God, take this from my life. It is holding me down. It's holding me captive. God, Please, how many times? God, please take this from me. How many times? Well, then Paul reveals something absolutely amazing. 
as he was pleading with God to remove this obstacle from his life, Jesus speaks into his life. And he starts turning this whole thing around. Look at this. He says, my grace, in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Come on. And as we look at this and grab a hold of this label-changing process in our lives, this is what the God of heaven, the King of kings, the Lord of lords is saying to us. My grace is sufficient for you. It is all you need. And that's because this is simply this. Our weaknesses are a platform for God's grace. Oh, sometimes we don't like to hear things like that. Our weaknesses are a platform from God's grace. In fact, I don't think this is personal enough. If you are taking notes, in fact, I hope you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, grab a piece of paper, a program, pull your phone out right now, and write this down, and write this phrase down. My weaknesses, let's make it personal. My weaknesses or a platform for God's grace. We don't look at them like that. At the same time, the same God who showed Paul the greatness of heaven, he gave him a way to remember as a God who makes all things possible. At the same time that Paul saw the unspeakable truths of the kingdom, he, God gave him a reality to say, you need to rely on me. Stop counting on yourself when it comes to living and living for me. You rely on me. My grace is sufficient. My weaknesses are a platform for God's grace. See, God's grace is not this un, just this unmerited favor that saves us, saved by grace. The grace of God is this force of God that sustains us throughout every single day of our lives. And our weaknesses, how people have labeled us, how the world has labeled us, how we have labeled ourselves, is a platform for God to step into our lives to show his greatness as he carries us through in this world, overcome the very weakness that we are trying to get rid of. It's like God saying, I got you. I got you. His grace is, it, it points to an immeasurable power for those who believe, power to overcome, power for victory, his power, not our power, for his glory, not our glory. But we get so wrapped up because what the world is saying is what people have said to us or have done to us when look at this label and we try to fight through this by our own strength to get rid of it. God say, no, 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 no. Let me step in and do something you can't.
Because Paul's weakness became the very vehicle by which God's grace, Christ's power, was manifested in him and was made it visibly known to others around him. And exactly what it means that Jesus changes everything. You know, growing up, um, I had an undiagnosed learning disability. Um, I'm partially dyslexic. I've never been really fully tested, um, fully professionally diagnosed. Um, but I grew up having a reading disability, absolutely poor comprehension. I hated reading all my life because I could never understand what I was looking at. And when I would try to read, I missed it. I would insert words into what I was saying. I would take out words. I would see patterns of words that didn't make sense. And the school caught this. I don't know if I was like second or third grade or something like that. School caught this. Like, Rich needs some help. And they wanted to put me into some special classes. But I was so afraid of being labeled a dummy. I refused to go and get the help that I needed. I was so afraid of being labeled special needs. I refused to go and get the help that I needed. And I paid for it all my life. And so when God, fast forward many, many years later, called me into ministry, I laughed. I was like, whatever, whatever. Because I knew I needed a proper education to be equipped to serve him. And it was at that point in my life, my weakness almost won. There's no way. I already dropped out of college three times. There's no way, God. I was so afraid to move forward because I knew in my mind, knew that things didn't connect. That my head, in my head, it didn't work right. And when it came to reading and taking classes, I knew, I just said, I knew I'm gonna fail, God. I know I'm gonna fail. Just like I've done all my life. And so I, I sat down in Richie fashion and God and I had this really long, drawn out conversation. I was like, seriously, God, all right? If, the, if this is what you want, this is what you're calling me to do, then you know what? You've got to fix some things upstairs. And some of you are thinking, he's still got to fix some things upstairs. <laughs> yes, I was giving God some pretty pointed directions for my life. I didn't say it was a good conversation. God, you know what I can't do. You know what it's struggling for me. And if this is what you want, God, I'm pleading, calling out to you that you need to step into the gap and fix something upstairs. And I remember 
I remember picking up my first book. It was, I was attending Moody Bible Institute online, and I picked up a first book. It was called Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks. He's a professor out in Dallas Theological Seminary. I remember picking up this book and reading, and I haven't stopped reading since. What? Let me be really clear I am not the hero of the story. Rich is not a hero. I am certainly no hero. God is the hero. Right? God is the hero. God is always the hero of our stories. He took the weakness of my mind. He poured over my life the grace of my life. And his power was made perfect. Do I still struggle? Sure. When I read scripture and you're looking at the screen, you're like, Rich must be reading from a different translation. Nope. My mind is just putting words and taking words out. But all the time, every time, when I read another article or I read another book, I stop and praise God because his grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in my weakness. We see this all the time in scripture. All the time in scripture. Look at the screen. John chapter nine, right? Jesus was walking with his disciples and they saw a blind man and he has been blind since birth. And look what they asked him in, in verse two of chapter nine. Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus responds, Neither. But this happened so that it works. So the works of God may be displayed in him. You know what Jesus did next? He took a swab of spit, threw it on the ground, rubbed it in some dirt, made some mud, put it on the guy's eyes, said, hey, go wash off in a pool. And guess what? He walked away seeing. Amen. I'm very thankful Jesus didn't spit and put it in my eye. But that's the power of God's grace in our lives, overcoming the weaknesses that we're trying to get rid of. It's a platform for his glory and grace. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. It's what God wants to do in your life. To your weaknesses. Pour his grace in them and over them and carry you through them. You relying on him, he lifting you up, giving you everything you need. So right now, right now, what weakness is staring you in the face that God's grace wants to overcome? What weakness in your life that you've been trying to get rid of on your own power and your strength that God's grace wants to overcome it in your life? Maybe it's time to stop hiding them. Maybe being ashamed of that label or feeling victimized by the label and actually surrender it to the one who can change it. 
And when that happens, when we do that, we come get a side of ourselves, at the pride aside, let God do what he wants to do in our life, we can respond like Paul. Look what he says in verse nine. Therefore, he says verse nine, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that what? Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in my weaknesses. I mean, delight means I, I accept my weaknesses, the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and difficulties. What he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. And that phrase that when I'm weak, then I am strong is completely countercultural. Completely against what society says and believes. But I don't care because culture is not Christ. And neither should you. Over and over again, we are labeled weak. Over and over again, we believe that we're weak. And the world wants to hold us and say, this is who you are. But for the one who created you, the one who loves you, that is so far from the truth. We are at our strongest in life when we identify our weaknesses and present them to God. It's okay, God, let's walk through this together. I need your grace report and help me walk through this. Carry me through this. I need it every single day because your grace is sufficient for me. And then we can say, weak is the new strong. Weak is the new strong. 50 is the new 30. I'm turning 50 this year, so I thought I'd throw it out there. Weak is the new strong. In our weaknesses, we have to lean into God's strength. Where we are falling short, God fills in the gap. It doesn't matter how strong you think you are, friends, God is stronger. And proclaiming our weakness reveals our greatest strength, Jesus. Most of you in this room know Chris Cremone. He's sitting right up front here. He is one of our elders. And if you ever see his Facebook feed, Not the marriage advice. (laughs) Ignore all that. But he's a man who gets it. He understood where he was and where his weakness was, and he proclaims God's glory of overcoming it. It wasn't by Chris's power, it wasn't by Chris's strength, it was by God's grace. And he proclaims it. I'll boast all more about my weaknesses because it brings God the glory. In fact, admitting our weaknesses is the very first step to grabbing hold of true strength. But in order to do this, we have to be brave. In order to do this, we have to be courageous. We have to be willing to proclaim our weaknesses Surrender them to God. And when we overcome, it reflects the world. I say it all the time, that Jesus does change everything. 
And it's in those moments when you are struggling with depression or anxiety, or you're feeling lost, or you don't sense God, you can remember that God, in God, in Jesus, you are strong. That God is upholding you right then, right there as you're feeling that. And when you feel worthless, or you feel like you're, there's a failure in your life, that you're a failure in life, understand that when you're weak, you're strong, that Jesus sets your worth. Jesus tells you who you are your value. Weak is a new strong, friends. And when you start tearing off, you let God start tearing off the labels of weaknesses in your life because of who others have said you are or the world has said you are. And start letting him tell you the truth. That in Jesus you are redeemed. That in Jesus you are rescued. In Jesus you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new you is here. In Jesus you are his masterpiece. In Jesus you are more than a conqueror. In Jesus you are free. In Jesus you are chosen. In Jesus you are accepted. In Jesus you are forgiven. In Jesus you're given everything you need for life and godliness. In Jesus you are, are no longer weak because in Jesus you are strong. You are Jesus strong. Because in Jesus, it flips the script. And friends, I say you need to be courageous and you need to be brave. Because I still fight this. And I know you will too. But I believe what the word says. Don't buy into the lie of the label of what the world and others have say you are. Understand who you truly are in Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you again, what weakness in your life do you need to let God's grace pour over you and help you overcome it for his glory and for your best? What is it? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That is God speaking to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and most importantly, God, today we want to praise you and thank you for your grace that know that you want to pour it out in our lives. Help us overcome when we're weak. We see it, we know it, we've lived it, we've been labeled it. But today we're gonna lift it to you. We give it to you. You are the true label maker. You are who you say we are. Right now, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. 
And I don't know what you're walking through this morning, church. I don't know what you're walking through or dealing with or this label of weakness that you've been hanging on to. Maybe it's time to come forward and proclaim it to some friends and be prayed over and prayed with. We believe in the power of prayer. And we love you that much. Make sure it's an important part of our service. We want to pray that you lay down your own strength and pick up the strength of Jesus. That when you lay down and understand who you are and the weaknesses of some of the things in your life that you're actually truly strongest in Jesus. So I don't know what you're dealing with, but after service, I want to pray that you come forward and just lay it at the feet of Jesus. And so today I'm weak because I've carried this too long by myself. But I'm gonna walk out these doors strong in Jesus Christ. Be brave, be courageous, because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In your son's name we pray, Lord, amen. God bless church, have an amazing week.